0: Well, I feel a little bit uh, naked up here because I went back. I told Bill I forgot to print my sermon out before I came uh, to rehearsal. So I said, stretch the announcements a little bit. I'm going to go print my sermon. And then I went back there to print my sermon, and it did not transfer over from OneDrive. So I'm preaching with no notes. So I'm as nervous as you are about that. But uh, I'll try to stick with what I wrote as well as I can uh, remember it, Uh, I think uh, that would be some of my professors would say that's the way you're supposed to preach uh, with no notes, but uh, we'll preach from the Bible. How about that? Uh, If everybody will turn, our text this morning is Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I want to basically have my uh, sermon text to be the passage that Brinkley uh, recited. So appreciated Brinkley learning that passage To recite for us today, we'll look at verses uh, eight through uh, Luke chapter two, verses eight through. uh, We'll go to twenty-one. We'll read that, and uh, you've already heard it once today. But we'll go through there and read that. And I want to focus in uh, on uh, verse eleven through verse fourteen. Will be the focus of our of our text today. So I got interested, I guess I've been interested in this for a long time, but on Sunday nights back when we were much younger, and we were living in Nashville at the time, can y'all hear me okay? Okay. We were living in Nashville at the time, and uh, we would get out of church on Sunday night, that's back when people still wanted to do that, and we got got out of church on Sunday night, and we would go uh, get something to eat, and then we would rush home because at nine o'clock, there was a show that we watched every week. Do you remember what it was? The X-Files. Do y'all remember that old show of the X-Files? Okay, we like to watch the X-Files on uh, Fox and with uh, Mulder and Scully, and they were always, you know, encountering some kind of monster. Or they were looking for aliens or something like that, and it's really interesting. And it, it's interesting if you look at the the uh, science of like that cryptozoology and people that are looking for extraterrestrial life. Uh, there's a lot of people that are very interested in that. And did you know there are a lot of people with a lot of money that are very interested in trying to figure out if we are alone in this universe? I read that there was an Israeli billionaire... And Stephen Hawking, the scientist, that they started in 2015, a 10-year project. This is kind of the latest, they call it SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And they have pledged to spend $100 million uh, funding work uh, through an array of radio telescopes and then using an army of volunteers to try to scan the skies for radio and even optical signals that might be aimed at us to try to alert us that there's something else out there. So they're literally looking to the heavens for a message. And they call this project, it's called um, Breakthrough Listen. Breakthrough Listen. And they're trying to hear. uh, And even though people have been listening to the sky... Since 1924, do you know how many messages they've intercepted from intelligent life? Uh, None since 1924. But it's interesting that one of the reasons that people say they maybe shouldn't do this project is they say, what if we do find intelligent life out there? What will that mean for the world religions? What will that mean for the religions of the world? How will they accept it if we find out that there's life on another planet or if there's a message out there in the skies and I think it's really interesting that if you turn to Luke chapter 2 in our Bibles we actually do get an intelligent message that comes from the skies whenever these angels break through the night that Christ was born and we see uh, them telling the shepherds about a Savior who was born so look there at Luke chapter 2 verse 8 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So what's the first thing that the angels said to the shepherd? Fear not. Did you know, I learned this this year, that they have counted up when people in the Bible have been told not to be afraid. Do you know how many times it, it appears in the Bible where someone is told not to be afraid or to fear not? 365 times. At least, and there may be more, but, the, but there's at least 365 times where people are told to fear not. That's one for every day. So fear not was the message from heaven. When the, when the angels broke through with a a lesson or a message for these shepherds to listen to. They didn't need radio telescopes. They didn't need satellite dishes. They didn't need lasers. Those angels came and on behalf of God spoke a message in those shepherds' language and told them not to be afraid because there's good news. News while we lit our, oh, we've got the wrong candle lit. Let's see here. we got to light the pink candle. we got news of great what? Joy. Today's the joy candle. Way to go, Chris. <laughs> You know, it's, you got to learn by doing, right? You got to learn by doing. So we all, make, we all make mistakes, not a big deal. It's pink or purple candle, doesn't matter. Uh, but we got the candle of joy lit today because we've got news of great joy. And, how, and who is this news of great joy intended for? What does it say in our Bibles? All the people. This is not just news of great joy for the nation of Israel. It's not just news of great joy for the Jews. It's news of great joy for all the people on the earth. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation can receive this breakthrough message from heaven that they can listen to and learn that today in the city of David has been born. And here's the the key word. I was telling the kids about it this morning. The key word is Savior. The key word is Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then they give the shepherds a sign. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So there is a Savior who is born. And He is there in that city of Bethlehem. And He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And He's in a lowly manger. These shepherds would have been acquainted with the manger. When we think of these shepherds, did you know that many of the Passover lambs that were, that were slaughtered at Passover were uh, from the region of Bethlehem? And so here we have these shepherds. And these shepherds uh, are normally the ones who care for the lambs. And yet here, they are being told about a lamb who will care for them. And just as they may have taken those baby lambs and they would carefully wrap those baby lambs up, those perfect lambs that would be a sacrifice, they would wrap them up so no harm would come to them. And perhaps they would lay them in a manger or they would lay them in the hay. They were going to find a baby wrapped up like a little lamb. And he would be laying in a manger. Probably a a stone that was hewn where you could put food in it for the animals and that's where Jesus Christ would be laying and then as they were told where to find the sign of the Messiah suddenly it says there was an with that one angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and so here's another message from the heavens here's another breakthrough uh, where heaven is breaking through and we are finding yes indeed there is something intelligent out there it's our creator and these other beings that He has created that are giving this message. And the message is glory to God in the highest. That's the message that we need to hear from the heavens today, isn't it? These angels pointed these lowly shepherds to God. And they said, He is the one who has the most glory. This is a a title. This is His rank. He is the God Most High. There is no one that is more glorious than our Lord. There is no one who ranks higher than our God. And so that's what they say to them. Glory to God in the highest. God, because of His sending Jesus Christ to be our Savior, God, because He's done this for us, He is to receive glory. These angels know it. And they're breaking through the night sky to tell us That God deserves our greatest glory. Why? Because peace is come. This baby child will make peace between God and man. This baby is truly God and truly man. He's the perfect mediator. Who best to be the go-between for God and man, but one who is truly God and one who is truly man. One who can understand us and sympathize with our weakness, but also one who is without sin. And so there's this child, this Messiah, this Savior is going to be the one that brings God and man together. And and it says here, uh, there's a lot of translation issues here. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased is the actual translation. Some some translations will say uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But what it's basically saying is that God has goodwill towards those men with whom he's pleased. How is God ever pleased with us? Only when we are righteous. God is only pleased with the perfectly righteous. And the good news of this story is that one has come to save us and make us righteous so that God can be pleased with us. That's the gospel. People don't talk about it as much anymore. I, I appreciate Jason. Uh, Jay, Jason? Is he still in here? Where did Chela go? Oh, he's up there. Back there somewhere. There he is. You know, Jason, uh, when, he, when he tells his testimony, when he, when he talks to people, he talks about before I was saved and after I was saved. And Jason uses that word saved in his testimony a lot. And it strikes me when I, when I hear Jason talking about his faith in Jesus Christ, a lot of us don't talk about that. We don't say that much, do we, about getting saved. We say, when I professed faith, when I came to Christ, when I received Christ... When I was converted, when I was born again. All those are good words. Those are all Bible words. But isn't it interesting that when the angel identified Jesus to those shepherds, that the word that the angel used was Savior? Because our greatest need, and we should not be ashamed to say it, was to be saved. I wonder who would say in this room today, I am saved. And who would say in this room today would say, I'm not saved. I've not been saved. I've not, I don't know what it means to have my sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. But just know that this story tells us that that is our greatest need. We took an interesting trip uh, this summer. We went to New Orleans. And we took the whole group. We all went. And we got on a one day we got on a riverboat, and it wasn't a steam. I I wanted to ride the one that was like the actual old timey steamboat, but that one was out of service. So we rode like the you know the stepchild version of that or whatever. And we you're probably not allowed to say that, but we we got we got on this boat and uh, we went down to where they actually fought the Battle of New Orleans, and you know that's where the We fired our guns, and the British kept coming. Like, we saw the place where they stood, uh, the berm they had built, and the British just kept coming, and they just kept mowing them down. And that was really interesting. And so on the way down there, the the man who was the historian who was guiding the tour was telling us about the Battle of New Orleans. Then he said, on the way back, I'm not going to talk about the Battle of New Orleans. I'm going to talk about Hurricane Katrina. And I thought, oh, I remember Hurricane Katrina. I remember when that happened, you know, about a decade or so ago. And I remember hearing a lot of stories about that. Well, this guy was there, and his parents were there. And did you know there were about 60,000 people that were in the city that decided to ride it out? Even though they had told them, do not stay here. We don't know what's going to happen. If you remember, the storm came through and that really wasn't the worst part. It was when the rain came in and the rain flooded so bad that the city, which has a series of levees or dams that hold back the water from coming. So the the city sits in some places below sea level. So whenever the, the levees broke, all the water rushed in and flooded the town and created a terrible mess. And what was happening is after a matter of days as we were riding back, and he, we, were, we were on the Mississippi River, and he was pointing out buildings. He was pointing out buildings that were still in ruin f- from the time of that storm. And he would say, if you can see there, there's still a blue tarp. There were blue tarps all over the city. There's still a blue tarp on that school. That school's been abandoned, and you could see this giant school building with a blue tarp on it that was disintegrating in the heat and, and over the years of wear. He said that thing stands as a monument to what a mess Hurricane Katrina was. And really, what he told us about was the response and how the response was a total mess. And that was because the federal government didn't want to get involved, the state government didn't want to get involved, the National Guard and the local, uh, the the federal uh, uh, branches of the military. It was like this political thing that was playing out. But while this political mess was playing out as to who was actually going to go in, who was going to be liable. And really what they were all concerned about was if we send all these people in here, who's going to pay for all this? And so what was happening to those 60,000 people that were caught in in New Orleans is they started to get hungry, they started to get sick, and people started to die. Just in a matter of days, they lost 1,800 people. Now remember when the storm came through, it didn't really kill that many people. But in the days afterward, people started dying. And the senator for that area, or I guess a representative or a senator for that area of New Orleans uh, in, in the state legislature, got on TV and he said, my people are dying. Will someone help us? And do you know who came and helped? They called them the Cajun Navy. And a bunch of people brought boats. And they, and, and they just started going saving people. They said, hey, listen, there's alligators here, there's, um, there's, there's criminals that are looting, there's gunfire all over the place. It's basically a war zone in here where, where, where there's anarchy and there's no law enforcement. So if you're not cool with that, don't load your boat into, <laughs> into this water because this water also kill you. Don't go in, <laughs> don't do this unless you, you are ready to face the consequences. And yet they said hundreds and hundreds of people came in their boats and they went from house to house and they were rescuing people who needed to be saved people who were going to die now can you imagine if one of those cage you know and, and of course we know what the cajun navy was doing too. they were their goal was to save lives people are dying we're going to save them they didn't roll up to the house where there were people that were dying and they, and they didn't say hey how are y'all doing do you feel fulfilled right now? (laughs) They didn't roll up to the house and say, hey, do you guys like hymns or more contemporary music? Or, hey, how would you all feel if we had a coffee bar at our church? Or, uh, you know, are you guys feeling like all your your hopes and dreams are coming true? They didn't, didn't, you know, that would have been crazy, right? Can you imagine? (laughs) You you haven't eaten in five days? (laughs) and you're running out of water, and someone comes up and starts talking to you about all this stuff that doesn't matter, you say, hey, can I get in your boat? Can I be saved? That would be the question, wouldn't it? It it would make more sense if the person in the boat said, hey, we're out here saving people's lives. We want to save your life. Will you come get in the boat? We can't take a lot of your stuff with us, but we can save your life. Do you want to be saved? And then they would get in the boat. That's what would make more sense, isn't it? I think sometimes we get... um, we, we get sort of sidetracked by the things that aren't people's greatest need. And so maybe we really haven't biblically presented to people exactly what we're doing here today. We're celebrating here today that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and at just the right time, Jesus Christ came, and the godly died for the ungodly. For our Bible tells us that The wages of sin is death. Now, we can talk about a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are on our mind, especially around Christmas. But I wonder why people don't ask us how to be saved. I wonder why it doesn't seem like we're that much different than other people. I've been listening to a podcast by Trevin Wax that's produced by the uh, North American Mission Board. And it's called Reconstructing Faith. In the very last episode, he interviews David Platt. And David Platt says, perhaps one of the reasons that people don't really ask us much about our faith is because we don't really seem that much different than they do. But if we understood what these children were portraying for us here, if we understood what this angel was saying, is that we have been rescued. Imagine if the Cajun Navy showed up and they saved you and you felt like there was no hope and you were trying you had no power you didn't know what was going on and you're just sitting on the roof of your house because that's what happened the water rose and the water kept rising and they would go to the second floor and then it would rise and they would go in the attic and then they would chop through their attic and they would sit up on top of the roof and wait for somebody to come by but nobody was coming by and then imagine if you hear a little you know, 50-horsepower motor. And you see an old man, <laughs> a fisherman, and he's coming and he's coming to your house, and he says, hop on in. Where are you from? Ah, oh, from down over here. And I heard that people needed help. Ima- imagine today. Do you think that person is still talking about being saved by the Cajun Navy? Absolutely. It's one of the greatest things that ever happened to them. When they were facing death, when they had no hope, when all there was was despair, and yet someone came to save them. Someone that did not even have to. They weren't obligated to do it, but they did it out of love for mankind. Well, we can see that our God sent a Savior for us out of His great love for us because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We have been saved, those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, because of what this child came to do. This is the good news. This is the great joy for all people. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And these shepherds got the message. They understood glory to God in the highest. They understood there was a sign that they could look for. And so they said, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went as fast as they could. The Bible tells us they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. These shepherds had just heard that this baby was the Savior. And what did they do? they went and made known the saying. Well, we've been saved. We have a message. Now, our message is not like the angel message. We're not going to be shining in the sky and telling people. But we can repeat this message. And we can repeat the sounding joy. And as we tell the Gospel, and as we live the Gospel out, not perfectly... But as people who understand what it means to be saved from this sin that besets us, hopefully verse 18 would be something that happens in our midst. That all who hear it would wonder at what they are being told about this Christ. And then you have Mary, who treasures up all these things and ponders them in our heart. I would urge you today, if you're not a Christian, I would urge you today, if you're being disobedient to the Lord, would you ponder these things? Would you ponder the idea that a child has come, a Savior for you? The Bible says it's for all people. There's not one single sinner that this gospel can't save. And then we should be like the shepherds in verse 20, who returned, who went to the routine, back to taking care of the lambs, but they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. That is the message. And people can scan the skies, but the next time that there is a breakthrough from heaven, it will be too late. If there is a message from the skies that you need to hear, Elon Musk isn't going to find it. And Nikola Tesla's not going to find it. And Stephen Hawking's not going to find it. They've been looking forever. (laughs) Because the breakthrough message has already occurred. We have it written down right here for us. It tells us that, that there's a Savior. And you can be saved today. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for this breakthrough message that came that night so many years ago. And on just a normal evening in these people's lives, they experienced total and complete change. They marveled that God would speak to them, just normal, ordinary, even lowly shepherds, the lowest on society's totem pole. And yet, Father, today you speak to us through the power of your word. We hear this angel message and it comes to us. We don't deserve it. But Father, we know that the wages of sin is death and we've all sinned. And we know that what we must do is put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Christmas means nothing if we don't go to the cross. Christmas means nothing if the tomb isn't empty. Christmas means nothing. And we will suffer the fate of of any sinner unless we listen to this message and are saved because of the perfect work of Jesus Christ.